Welcome back to Look No Feather. I am Emma bjorngard Bassein, one of the academic advisors in the College of Education. And I am Mariah de Guzman, also an advisor in the College of Education. Today, we are really excited to talk about UO Teach in our interview with Dylan Lee. Dylan provides administrative support for our current and prospective UO Teach graduate students, including admissions coordination, students in career services, and serving as a liaison to the grad school. Let's get right into it. Please tell us your name and what you do at the University of Oregon. My name is Dylan Lee. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the student services coordinator for the UO Teach and CTED programs here in the Department of Education Studies. Thank you. In a sentence or two, what is the UO Teach graduate program? Um, it is a year-long in-person master's and licensure program. We start in the summer um, and end in the spring with our students graduating with their master's in education, as well as licensure to teach in the state of Oregon. Uh, so we know that there uh, is an elementary track and a secondary track for the UO Teach program. What are the main differences between the two, in your opinion? They're, they are pretty similar. The main differences is that often um, they are separated in their own classes um, just because, um, you know, the methods for teaching math to elementary students is going to be different from the methods teaching math to high school and middle um, school students. Also, um, for most middle high folks, their main thing that they're focusing on is methods courses in their main endorsement area, um, while elementary folks have to take methods courses in all the subject areas, since as we know, elementary teachers are amazing and teach all the subjects. Thank you. Um, we get a lot of questions about this in terms of students wanting to know what's going to happen when they graduate. Like, what does it mean to graduate from UO Teach? Um, so our next question is, when students graduate from the program, what licensure do they have? And is there any additional licensure that they may need in the future or additional steps that they may need to take in the future? So all of our students will, as long as they meet all the requirements, will graduate with their licensure and their primary endorsement area. That'd be the endorsement they apply to our program for, um, such as elementary or um, middle high science, math, um, world languages. Um, also, every single person in the program is going to be graduating with an additional licensure for ESOL or English for Speakers of Other Languages, which is embedded into the program. Um, this is especially cool because in the state of Oregon, um, traditionally, you can only get your initial licensure, one licensure at a time. So our program is special in that you, um, as long as you're following all the requirements, you'll automatically get both. Um, and just to kind of do a little bit of a deep dive for our middle high folks, um, they do have the opportunity while they're in the program to take methods courses in other endorsement areas. Um, so often that looks like if you're a social studies person, you'll take a methods course in ELA. If you're a science person, you'll take a methods course in math. And what that means is, is that after you graduate our program, um, you can take that methods course that you took in another endorsement area, combine it with a passing score on the relevant ORELA exam, which is the subject area exam um, that we have for teachers here in the state of Oregon. And with just those two things, you can add on that additional endorsement. So, you know, potentially by the time July rolls around and you graduated back in June, if you can go and take that ORELA in an additional area, you could have, you know, three or four endorsements, which just makes you much more competitive out there on the job market. Um, in particular, if you want to work at the middle school level, most of those teachers are endorsed in multiple areas. 
I have a quick follow-up question. Um, and I know you go over all of this with the students in the program as they're working through it, but just out of curiosity. So once a student has finished the program, do you all help them with like submitting any paperwork that they need to be licensed? Or does all that happen like within the university with the state or or do they do that all on their own? I don't know if that question makes sense, but something. Yes. Um, if it's um, we help with all of the um, all of the licensure that they get by the end of June. So, you know, all the sort of like red tape and bureaucratic things you have to get through to get your initial licensure and your primary endorsement. And then in that additional ESOL endorsement is going to be, you know, done with us helping you through all those different little steps. Um, but once you graduate and then you're just adding on additional endorsements, um, there's not a, a whole um, how to describe this. There's not a, a ton of influence by us at that point, because there's really just sending in your transcripts to the TSPC, which is a licensing body here in the state of Oregon, as well as that Arella exam score. Um, that said, we often do connect with our former students because maybe, you know, they have a question about licensure, about what they need to do to add on some additional um, endorsements, or, um, you know, they're just looking to get a program um, completion report or something like that for a new employer, maybe in another state. Um, so we definitely do um, have contacts with our um, alumni. And um, we do help them along as much as we can. But um, once you're graduated, um, the steps to add on endorsements are, are pretty straightforward. Um, the more complicated steps are the steps that we help you with while you're in program. And um, I always tell people in our info sessions that, you know, you have a whole team of people working with you in this program. You have me, the coordinator. You have a um, practicum supervisor. You have your cooperating teacher. You have a licensure expert who's helping out. You have a placement coordinator. And then, of course, the director is also your advisor while you're in the program. So you've got a whole team here to um, help you out and make sure you get graduated with all the steps you need for your master's and licensure. That's great. Thank you. Okay. Um, so we also know that students get classroom experience throughout the UO Teach program, but can you tell our listeners a bit more about what that entails? Sure. Um, so the first time you're going to be placed into a classroom is going to be at the very end of August. And that goes from the end of August to um, basically the end of September. And we call that um, your September placement. At that time, you'll be expected to be in your placement classroom 15 hours a week. And, um, you know, you're just observing. We want to make sure you're there at the beginning of the term or um, the semester, whatever the high school is on, um, to make sure that you can see how your cooperating teacher, you know, welcomes students into their classroom, how they, um, you know, kind of set the the tone of the class, what the expectations are. Um, so at that point, you're not expected to take a real active role in the classroom other than, you know, helping with basic things. Um, once we hit fall term, your requirement to be in the classroom goes down to 10 hours a week because you are taking classes here on campus and we understand that you need to balance all that. Um, and then winter term, it goes up to 20 hours a week. And that is your part-time student teaching. At that point, you are expected to take a more active role in the classroom. Um, what that looks like is usually you'll um, start to be in charge of at least one period. And so that is 20 hours a week. You are still taking classes here on campus. Um, so it is an intense term. Um, once you hit spring term, that's your final term in the program. And that is your full-time student teaching 40 hours a week. Um, the nice thing is, is that your classes here on campus go down significantly. You really just have one ESOL class and then another class that's honestly mainly focused on helping you in your placement and meeting all the requirements for licensure for the state. Um, so, you know, 40 hours a week, it's basically a full 
full-time job, um, you can think of it as a semester-long um, or a term-long um, job interview because you're showing your cooperating teacher and the administrators at your school how professional you can be, how reliable you can be. Um, and it's just, um, you know, it's an intense um, spring. But I think that because you have less classes here on campus, some students have said that it does feel a little bit easier than the winter term. Thank you. A follow-up to that for students that are interested in the elementary side, would they, for winter term, do they like sometimes do the English, sometimes do science, math? Like how does that end up working out for the student to be able to kind of have that experience teaching the multiple different subjects? Um, I believe um, they want you to teach math if you're on the elementary side. And that has a lot to do with the sort of state requirements for proving that you're getting good experience. I think they like to see our student teachers doing math. I think that's the main reason. There may be some other more complicated reasons why that is. But in general, we want you guys to take over the math period. Okay, thank you. Good to know. Another question that we had is after graduation from UO Teach, where do our alumni end up within the field of education? I would say about two thirds, um, very generally, um, do stay in the state of Oregon. Um, it's surprising how many, if you look up um, just 4J schools and you go to their teacher profiles, how many teachers have UO teach lanyards. So a lot of people do stay in the area. Um, a lot of our cooperating teachers that we place students with are our alumni. Um, that said, many students go back to their home states um, if they're not originally from Oregon. So we have lots of people who return to, I think the main states are probably um, California, Texas, and Alaska, I've heard. Um, so um, licensure does transfer to other states. Um, school districts um, and other states will hire you on your Oregon licensure. And it's just a matter of basically like with the DMV with your driver's license, you just need to get it transferred over to that other state. And from what I've heard, they'll typically give you, you know, about a year to get that done. Um, so you have plenty of time in all states will recognize an Oregon license. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, filling out, getting through all the, you know, hoops and the red tape of that state to get your license transferred over. Um, I think the most onerous things that folks have to deal with is, for example, if you're a social studies teacher and then you're moving to California, California might make you take a test on California history since you will be teaching it. Um, but that's the, the hardest thing that I've heard from folks that they have to do. I could be mistaken, but I think you have something like, and I don't know if you call it a job fair, but isn't there a day where different high schools and or different you know schools come and table and our students go and, and meet with them? Yes, um, that is in March. It's the, um, I believe it's called the Professional Educator Career Fair. Um, and um, we get districts from all over the state, all over the country, truly, um, who come to the Ford Alumni Center and um, set up their little booths. And even if you already have a job secured or you know you want to work in a specific district that isn't there, we always encourage our students to participate because it's just a great opportunity to get used to meeting, you know, these HR professionals, um, school administrators, um, principals. Um, it's a great way to get your name out there and to just um, practice the interview process because there is an area I'm cordoned off to have um, interviews on the spot. And every year I hear from students who, even though, you know, they're not done with the program by any means in March, but they're already getting job offers um, from districts. So it's a great opportunity, even if you have a position already secured, um, to just get some practice. But if you don't have a position secured, um, it's a great opportunity to find one. <laughs> Is there any advice or information applicants to UOT should know to keep them competitive for admissions into the program? I would say um, one of the top things is to just make sure you have a good amount of experience working with youth and to really highlight that, that in your application. Um, we That is a 
a requirement and it's something that our um, application reviewers take very seriously. Um, they not only want to see that you had experience with youth, but they want to read about it in your statement of purpose. Um, there is a, a whole specific section that asks about work with youth, um, but that should tie into, you know, your um, you, you have a passion for working with children. You enjoy working with children. I um, mean, you know, we all can remember teachers we had who are really good at their subject matter, but just not great with kids. And we don't need that. <laughs> you need to have both to be a successful teacher in the classroom. So um, you got to have that experience working with youth. And then um, secondly, I would say to make sure you're filling out your academic preparation form completely. Um, those can all be find on, found on our website under um, the endorsement area that you're looking to pursue as your primary endorsement. Um, if you are looking through that academic preparation form and you realize you've got a major gap, um, it's kind of up to you if you think you want to go ahead and take an additional class online. Um, another thing that can balance that out is, is if you go ahead and take the Orella exam in your subject area and are able to pass. So we can go ahead and say, okay, this academic preparation form is a little, maybe a little weak, but then because you pass the exam, it shows that you do have that content knowledge. Because really, we just want to make sure that you come into the program having the ability to teach your subject matter well. Because while there are teaching programs that will teach you the subject matter as well as the methods for teaching, ours does not teach you the subject matter. You need to come into the program with that. Um, you're going to be learning the methods and the art of teaching your subject once you get into our program. So to kind of summarize there, you want to make sure you have significant work with youth or at least enough that you can um, really speak to it. And then you just want to make sure that you can prove to our admissions committee that um, you have the subject knowledge to teach your primary endorsement. I know that we get a lot of students with questions about um, the application and being a prospective student. And I know that the website has various ways listed to be able to connect. But what is your preferred way for students to connect with UO Teach with their questions? Um, you know, email is good. I feel like um, oftentimes when I get an email, I'll see if I can find their phone number because um, to, just to kind of connect and have a discussion with someone, it's so much easier to kind of get to the root of what they're looking for. Sometimes, um, you know, graduate school is can be stressful when you're applying, and sometimes you don't even really know what questions you should be asking. And so if I can connect with you one-on-one, -on -one, either, you know, in person, over the phone, Zoom, Teams, whatever is easy, um, I can make myself available. I find that we can really get to the heart of what you need from me, because um, it is my, you know, my main thing that I'm here to do is to help you guys to um, get into the program and then be successful once you are in the program. Wonderful. Thank you. So we know that you've been with the UO Teach program for a while. Do you have a favorite memory that you would like to share with our students or listeners? I would say um, I have so many good memories. I've worked all over campus, and I have to say that the, the students who want to be teachers are some of the kindest, most patient um, professional folks I've ever worked with, um, which is good for um, the students of the future. Um, but I would say that our program orientations are always great memories because, you know, students come in and they're a little nervous. They're not sure. Um, they're quiet. And by the end of that day, um, our orientation, um, which is mainly just team building and meeting folks um, and community building, um, you know, people make friends. They're, you know, they're asking questions of professors. They're getting to know each other. They're smiling. They're having a good time. We get everybody lunch. It's a really great day. So I think probably my best memories are of our program orientations. For students who might feel that maybe, you know, they're a little shy, maybe, but they are passionate about education and wanting to be a teacher. Like, 
Do you feel that you see students who are not just all like extroverts wanting to be teachers? Like, do you see students who might be a little bit more shy, but like they're willing to kind of, you know, challenge themselves? Like, do they go into the program too? Um, yeah, I think that's something I've been wondering about just talking to students and hearing sometimes what they're nervous about, uh, even though they have this like passion to want to be in education. That is a really good question, because um, we do have many extreme introverts in our program, um, and it is a process of, you know, getting more comfortable with yourself in front of talking in front of a group of people. Um, you know, in our classes, you'll have times where you are giving presentations in front of your colleagues. And um, in my experience, you know, I myself um, was a teacher formerly, and in my program, I was, you know, extremely introverted, very nervous speaking in front of people. Um, and I find that, you know, we, throughout the year of the program, you're just going to get experience in the classroom, experience um, here on campus, um, speaking in front of people, becoming more comfortable um, to kind of come out of your shell a little bit. Um, one thing that our director has mentioned is that when you're, when you know you're going to go into your placement, um, one thing that really helps folks who are a little bit more um, shy is to put on an outfit that you can think of as like your teacher costume. And once you're wearing that outfit, you know, okay, this is me as a teacher. I'm not necessarily um, you know, myself that I would be on the weekends or with my family, I'm kind of putting on this role. And sometimes it's easier to speak in front of people when you're not just, um, you know, being, you know, casual you, you're being professional teacher you and you're kind of, you kind of change your mindset a bit. Um, so I don't know if I got a little bit lost there, but in general, I would say we do have lots of introverted people and um, it's, you know, teaching is a great opportunity to kind of um, grow your public speaking skills. Um, another thing to keep in mind is, is that in general, it is easier to speak in front of a group of children than it is a group of adults you'll find. Um, I found that myself, I'm, you know, really nervous about speaking in front of um, my teacher colleagues. But once I got into the classroom and, you know, I'm speaking to a bunch of kids, it's a lot easier, especially considering you're going to be speaking about a subject that you're an expert on and that they see you as an expert on. And also just in general, um, kids are really excited to have student teachers. It's someone different from the normal teacher. Um, you know, they're, it's new and exciting. It's different. They know you're learning at the same time and they're kind of excited to go on that journey with you. Um, so I would say um, we definitely have lots of introverted people. <laughs> awesome. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share, something that we didn't touch on or something that came up just as, you know, we were going through the interview? Um, I know I kind of mentioned this earlier, but um, the instructors and the professors and the staff who work for our program, I think are some of the most kind patient and empathetic people I've ever known. Um, they are really dedicated to our student success. Um, if there's ever a time in the program that a student is struggling, they're not turning in work or they're not showing up to class, um, there's going to be a meeting with everyone um, on the admin side going over like, okay, what can we do to support this student? Like, how are we going to reach out to them? Um, what sort of scaffolding can we put in place to make it so they can get through this program? So you really do have a whole team who is kind of, you know, surrounding you and helping you get through the program. Um, and, you know, in my own experience back when I was becoming a teacher and from what I've heard from other people, that is not across the board a normal thing in teaching programs. Often, you know, in graduate school, you're kind of, you know, they expect you're an adult, you're on your own, you just got to get through this. Like, here's the website with the info. Um, our program is not like that at all there is a lot of hand-holding in the best way possible. We hope that you enjoyed the interview with Dylan and getting to know more about UO Teach. Make sure to tune in for the next episode. Thank you so much for listening.